Welcome to Gen Z Hoops, the Gen Z basketball coaching and sports business show. On this podcast, you'll learn from professional players, coaches, and executives from all over the world and see the court in a brand new way. And now, joining you courtside, your Gen Z host, John Hartafillis. Hey, Mike, how are you? What's going on? Doing well. I mean, we're amidst everything that's going on in the world. You got to see the silver lining now and again. Of course, super important to always be staying positive no matter what's going on around you. And obviously a lot of cool things developing, whether it's basketball in Canada, whether it's what you're doing specifically. So I'd love to ask you kind of where you got your, what, what kind of got this start on this basketball journey for you? Yeah, I mean, a, a great question. This this started quite a while ago. Uh, we we launched the CBL in 2019, it was our first season, but we had worked on it uh, probably the latter part of 2016, 2017, getting it off the ground. And if anybody knows uh, Canadian basketball currently, it, it's they they see this extremely robust, uh, talent-filled country, sending players all over the world, certainly to the NBA but also in pro leagues all over the world and great grassroots development, the NCAA, et cetera. But if you go back 25 years ago, you know, when the Raptors were first landing here and the Grizzlies were here, this was really still, it, it's still in, in a lot of respects, it's still a hockey uh, country, of course, but it was, it was strictly a hockey country back then and basketball needed some time to get its roots. So, you know, when we started this, uh, the idea around the CBL, we look back in time at, how things developed and, and why leagues have come and gone. Cause there's been plenty of leagues that have tried. Uh, most of them were us based that kind of swooped in and, and dropped a team or two here. And, and really lost that connection to community really didn't get into the fabric of the community. So we saw some opportunities that were there and, you know, our owner and founder, uh, Richard Petko uh, was involved in another league in Canada and just wasn't satisfied with the direction and wanted uh, to see things done differently. And he tried to, uh, bring about a, a few uh, ideas that just never took hold. So we befriended one another and I have a history in sports. I played in the CFL, which is our version of the NFL here in Canada and became the uh, uh, president of the players association. So I had a pretty uh, under, good understanding of what it was like to be a player, albeit a different sport and then be a, you know, a player rep. And of course, work with the teams and, and leagues uh, about, you know, uh, the inner workings of the league. So all that knowledge, I kind of rolled over um, into the basketball side and, and we just started working on what would be successful. And for us, the, the structure and, and creation, of the CBL, we knew would be an investment we would make, but would have legs and create a legacy for a long time to come and build off that the new uh, basketball experience that we're uh, in Renaissance that we have here in Canada. I love that. And, and look, think, thinking of it as, as a renaissance with all the recent success that Canadian basketball has, it's funny because someone my age, really, I've only been around to see the Raptors, either with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry be making the playoffs every year, or obviously the, the most recent championship. So I really don't remember the, the days of yeah. expa expa expansion teams and the, and the, and the Grizzlies, and which, is, which is crazy to think about being that it was so, it was, it was such a short time ago. Um, but really, I, I'm curious to, how much have you seen that, that growth impact? I mean, even though you guys are only in the early stages of the league, how have you seen this explosion help you guys so much and get off the ground as opposed to what, how difficult it would have been 10, 15 years ago? Yeah, I, I think the, the landscape, and it's certainly the NBA has been a big catalyst, right? So uh, the players that are in our league now, they're during their mid-20s, let's say, were fans of Vince Carter. And when Vince Carter, when Vince Carter rolled through here, he made Toronto the hip 
spot to be and the cool spot to be. And NBA kind of took on that magic that is the NBA. And, you know, our, our young fans uh, in the Toronto area and beyond started picking up basketballs. And, and, and maybe, maybe they didn't start picking up basketballs. What they did was it, it became cool to bounce a basketball again. Uh, and they started replacing, you know, uh, hockey nets with basketball nets. And, and that's how it started. So it built over time. And then you add that to, you know, the more recent uh, uh, future or recent uh, times with um, the NBA championship in Toronto and, and, you know, high quality teams making the playoffs and the buzz around the event that is the Toronto Raptors. And it took a national approach. And so, you know, it really started growing from the bottom up. And we have really good grassroots programming here. We have great prep academies and schools and then you name it that are pumping out high level uh, world-class talent. And you see it in the NBA, but you also see it in the NCAA. If I turn on the news any morning, there's going to be a Canadian on one of those teams that's putting on, up numbers and doing things. So the, the market was ready. The, the demand was there. The supply is there from a player's side. And that's really important for us. And what we did was take a look at what would make us the most successful. And we started with our governance, which was our single entity ownership, kind of similar to how the MLS started. And then we knew if, if we created this and we were consistent across the country in terms of putting these teams in good markets and making sure that we did all the right things operationally, that we would grow over time and there'd be parity and consistency and it would really take hold. And, you know, funny enough, it's, it's gone quicker, I think, than we would have imagined in terms of the popularity and, and the interest in, in the CBL and basketball in general. We're excited about the opportunity as a country to go to the Olympics. We have some qualifying to do still uh, against Greece in the upcoming little bit. But, you know, we have a partnership with Canada Basketball and National Federation, a partnership with U Sports, which is our equivalent of the NCAA. Um, we work hand in hand with the developmental side of what we're doing, but we're really there to showcase our incredible talent. And a lot has changed and a lot of it is rooted in, in the NBA. And a lot of is rooted in that success, but also in, in the uh, ability for, you know, the younger generation and Canada being what it is, is, is truly a melting pot. So, you know, we grow by hundreds and hundreds of thousands of immigrants every year. Those immigrants come here. They don't know what hockey is. They don't know what football is. They know soccer. They know basketball. So it lends itself to basketball is the conduit to kind of entering into a, a bigger group of people that have been underserved for quite some time. And, and all those things combined has really taken off. As a Greek American, I'll definitely be, we'll definitely be going back and forth. I'm sure when those yeah. <laughs> games start, uh, it'll be a lot of fun, but thinking about obviously, of course, that, that partnership with Canadian basketball, whether it's the actual, the FIBA entity or, or just, or just obviously be, being in Canada and having that, that support is, is, is phenomenal to think about. I'm curious as to more when we're talking about the CBL, what kind of makes you guys different and stand out? What do you guys do differently that you don't, that none of these other leagues are doing? Well, there's a real void in, in North America for, for basketball outside of the NBA <clears throat> and a lot of, you know, younger, or I shouldn't say younger, a lot of smaller organizations pop up and they're very regionalized and some go across the country, but they're more community driven, smaller entities. There's no really established FIBA league that has been kind of the center point because the NBA has been so strong. So we noticed that that gap and we also understand that we're not the NBA and that basketball is a global league. So the first thing was we wanted to 
partner with Canada Basketball, our national federation. Uh, we became the official league of Canada, so we can actually represent uh, our country internationally as well. Many dozens of our players are former members of the national team or current members, depending on what tournament they're playing in. And, you know, we started looking at the timing of our season and said, okay, we have over 200 plus pro players that are playing in Europe and overseas that are Canadian. They're generally one of the top three uh, on the, each of their rosters because they're the, the, the designated imports. They come home in the summer, you know, after their seasons around May and they're, they're home till September and they're training and they're doing their own thing. They're trying to get better, to get a better contract and, and what have you. And we've now filled that void. And so we have a captive audience. So we're able to attract, you know, high paying, uh, highly paid uh, players from overseas to come back and play for a good salary, but certainly not the salary that they play with, uh, they play for overseas because they're home. They want to get their names on their back. They want to build their brand locally. They want to continue their, their FIBA journey. They want to try and get a better contract. So the timing was important because it's a downtime in FIBA basketball. We know we live in a country that people want to come to. So you're not having to go to, I won't name names, but to another country where you got to learn the language and you don't know anybody and the food isn't great and you may not get paid. You're coming to North America. So you know that you're going to get paid. There's great medical, there's great benefits, you know, you're safe and it's, it's close to home, right? For a lot of our international players, which are typically American. And we wanted to play FIBA basketball because we like the style of the game. We like the quickness of the game. And now with sports, people want shorter and shorter attention spans. So being able to play our game within two hours, a two hour window is important. Being able to play it in the spring and summer so you can enjoy a drink before the game or a patio after the game. Remember, we live in Canada, so it's not always warm. Um, so it's nice to kind of build on that. And then we're pro predominantly Canadian. So out of our 10 men active roster, uh, which is our game roster, 70% are Canadian and our three uh, other players are, are international or import. So we play into that community aspect as well. And, and we found that we, the CBL style of game is almost its own. It's a very transitional, fast game. We don't have a ton of, you know, seven footers walking around. We have a lot of guys that are six, eight and athletic and it, and it allows for a different style of game. We've kind of made our own little niche. You know, we are, in my opinion, the best FIBA league in North America. Maybe that's an easy thing to say because there's really no other competitive ones. But during that time that we play and there's a handful of other leagues, a small handful that play, we, we, we would be the best and we have the best talent. And, uh, you know, we feel comfortable about that, but we also feel comfortable about growing beyond our borders. And I think the game of basketball allows that. I love that whole idea of, of, of targeting this international audience and, and thinking, especially when I, when I played in Greece, I remember um, there was this whole huge emphasis on, because all these Canadian players, they're not eighth, ninth, 10th guys on the bench. These guys are definitely the top three players because these European teams are only allowed, I believe, depending on the league, three to four, maybe five right. players from, from overseas. So these guys, if you're, if you're taking up someone from overseas, for, which for, for Europe overseas is here, but if you're taking yeah. someone from overseas there, um, they have to be one of the best guys because you only have so many of those spots. So it, it's really um, incredible to think of the talent pool you guys are able to take from, yeah. as well as the, the timing of it too is, is ingenious, being that you're able to target guys during their off season when they still want to get, uh, get some work in. Um, what I'm curious about too is when you brought up that international thing, you, you, you mentioned how like you, because you guys are associated with FIBA and a FIBA entity, you can, you can kind of play games overseas. Is that kind of what you guys are looking to do as well in the future? 
I mean, we'd like to get involved in the new uh, basketball champion leagues of Americas, right? The old FIBA Americas that are no longer around. Uh, they've revived it, but they haven't had any North American entities join. I think just, I mean, COVID doesn't help, right, with everything in travel. But we have spoken to them at the outset of the BCLAs to be able to represent the country and choose either our champion or a combination of players as an all-star team to go. So that's something that we're going to continue to work towards. And because of our partnership with Canabasso, we, we can represent them internationally, like I mentioned before, but also forging partnerships with other uh, FIBA leagues and federations and teams. Because of that timing, there's, there could be player sharing, there could be coach sharing, there can be developmental opportunities, and you know, there could be international friendlies that go back and forth and, and we'll sign some MOUs in the, in the coming uh, while to kind of join forces with other federations to kind of grow each one of our respective kind of footprints. But it's, it's something that in basketball is not hard to kind of speak about or imagine the, the global uh, growth of the game, right? It's, it's easy to say because it happens regularly. There's, it's a game that is watched all over the world. Uh, we certainly, with our broadcasts, we try to get into as many international uh, countries as possible, and that will grow over time. And, you know, we play basketball during a time of year that really no one else is. So it does afford us other opportunities, even if you look at the betting landscape, right? You know, there's gamblers out there that bet in the NBA all year long, and then the NBA stops and there's a void, right? And they move on to other sports. So there's a bunch of things that come along with basketball, the game that allows you to look beyond your borders. Incredible. And then thinking about you, you, you made such a strong point about how you guys are trying to play fast and you might not have a bunch of seven footers, but you have guys that are a little bit smaller that can run the floor and, 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 are, and that's a super exciting and athletic part of the game. What, what is that? What are those kind of, I, I noticed a lot of rule changes you guys have that are specific to the CEBL that allow the, the teams to encourage, encourage them to play fast and, and promote that so, and getting your games under two hours. What, what do those rules look like? Well, we, we have typical FIBA rules, but we have some exceptions to the rules. Some are, are more technical because we play with 12-man or, pardon me, 10-man rosters. There's some rules about, you know, less than five guys on, we have less than five guys in the courts. So we adjust some of the stuff. We've never had to deal with it, but it's there as a protection measure. One of the big things is we play music throughout our whole game. So it's not like, you know, you're kind of, we talk about, you know, come for the party, stay for the game, right? So we try and get people in the door. Basketball is the, is the product. But the entertainment package is wrapped around basketball. And the good thing about basketball, again, is that to us, basketball is cultural, right? It's, it's art, it's music, it's fashion, it's lifestyle. All those things that basketball brings with it because it really is a cultural identity very much. And then one of the biggest changes we, we made last year for our summer series, which was our bubble concept, um, and we're going to continue it, was we were the first FIBA league to introduce the Elam ending. And uh, the Elam ending, if, for those of you who don't know, is that target score that the NBA used last year in their, uh, oh, maybe two years ago now that uh, I can't keep track of time, but in their all-star game. And uh, it's a very cool way to finish a game because it eliminates all the stoppages and the needless fouls and all the, truly, the breaking of the basketball rules to try and get back into a game. This is now first to nine, backyard basketball, last bucket wins, and it allows for a nice free flow uh, part of the game. And we've, we've done all the analysis and compared it to what would have happened if we did it the traditional way. And, and it wins. The data, data and analytics back it up. And, uh, 
you know, I think you'll probably see it in the in the future in the NBA at some point. Maybe it starts in overtime and and builds, but trying to be different, but not trying to be hokey is is kind of what we're trying to do. And and that really helps, you know, that two hour window. Um, but the, the game itself does, right? Going from 12 minutes to 10 uh, minute quarters, that helps. And uh, and yeah, it's it's been fun. And we'll look at other different ways to continue that whole package of entertainment. I absolutely love the idea of the Elam ending. I remember when, when it happened in the All-Star game, everyone, whether it's whether you saw it on Twitter, the response was just, this was so much fun because normally it's it's, it's funny. My dad's not too into basketball, but I'll try to get him to watch games with me and we'll I'll, I'll, I'll say, okay, just watch the last four minutes with me. Sometimes those last four minutes are full of free throws because the team's down. And yeah. and, 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 and and like I, it, you, when you think, okay, it's the last four minutes, so that's the most exciting part of the game. A lot of times it's it's really filled with commercials. So I really love the idea of, of, of doing that. And then I also noticed with the, with the playoffs, you guys adopted a, a single elimination tournament. That, that must be a lot of fun too. And, and instead of uh, putting, putting so much pressure on one game, what is it? What did that decision in terms of the numbers look like for you guys? So there's, there's a couple things here. We, we have the CFL, which is the comparable to the NFL. So instead of a Super Bowl, we have the Grey Cup. And the Grey Cup is kind of and something I was familiar with as a, as a player in the CFL is a big four day festival, outdoors, concerts, shows, games, events, et cetera, and, and really became a cultural kind of identity. And then there's the NCAA Final Four and all the excitement that that brings. We kind of just put them together. And, and created what we call our championship weekend. And it really, you know, we weren't, weren't able to do it last year. We hope we can do it this year uh, as restrictions uh, hopefully start to open up. But the concept was there, there's a couple, there's a business side of it that says you do all this great work throughout the regular season um, and then comes playoff time and you reseed everybody and you got to sell tickets in two, three days, right? And then if somebody loses, then you got to try and, it just doesn't make sense to just, so that was one aspect of it was how do we build excitement? How do we build another asset or another event that we can capture and sell and sponsor and create? And it, it's, it's become great. So, you know, typically it's kind of a Thursday to Sunday event. Players come in on the Wednesday, on the Thursday, we would have a, you know, a gala award show dinner and a very kind of uh, not your rubber chicken sit down and eat, but a little bit more higher energy. Friday, we would play our, our doubleheader uh, semis. Saturday would be a, you know, a day off, and Sunday would be our championship game. But within that, we have outdoor festivals, DJ competitions, three-on-three basketball tournaments, community activations, beer tents, uh, you name it. And it becomes, even for the non-basketball fan in that community that we go to, it becomes you know somewhere to go. It's a destination. And it just helps us with our branding and awareness. And it creates an environment that's fun and exciting, and it helps grow the game. So that was kind of the, the reason behind it. And it was great success in year one. We can't wait to get back to it. The cities we go to, and they love it because it's another event. And it's, it's an event that is far more diverse than some of the other typical sports we have in this country. And it, and it really makes sense to the communities we go play in. I love the idea of this community outreach. It's just thinking about how you guys have been able to transcend this and, and bring the community together through the game of basketball is awesome. What, what you've been able to do in just in, in a year to two years with, with the CBL is fantastic. Basically, I'm super curious as to how COVID, with, with this whole community aspect, there's so much, you, you kind of need people together. It's very hard to build that community aspect through Zoom as much as we might try to. What, what's the challenge been like for you as commissioner and really trying to bring that together during this uh, global pandemic? 
I mean, COVID is, is, is been terrible for everybody. And, uh, you know, from a business perspective, it, it's meant that, you know, basically a, a cutoff of revenues since last March. So everything, all the decisions we make going forward are really based on our future. Right. And they cost money uh, because no one's lining up to buy tickets to the unknown. Right. Uh, we went last year, we, we invested into our bubble and it was incredibly successful. And I would I would say that our reaction to that and as the first league back in the entire country, which, again, for you know, it's going into a second year organization was daunting and we didn't know up from down, we just kind of forged ahead we were able to, to accomplish that. And really the return on our investment was tenfold because we captured a lot of attention in this country because people know who we are because there was, wasn't a lot of other stuff going on. You know, our viewership numbers were great. We're on national television and people started to take us for real because they could actually see us. Right. And, and being on national television, television is still as much as people are cutting cords, et cetera. There's still that perception that if you're on national TV, this thing's for real. So that there's, there will always be a balance for us between linear television and, you know, OTT platforms and webcast, et cetera. But, you know, as we go into this year, we're taking a very similar approach. There are no, we haven't been green lighted yet to, to do anything, right? We, we don't play typically till May, till the end of August. Uh, so we are working towards returning to our communities. And it's very important that we play in market, even if fans can't attend. I think we have to give our markets a sense of, of, of belonging, that there's something going on there for them, even though they can't come to the arena or go see a game maybe at the outset, but that there's a return to normal, right? It, it's kind of, you're, you're giving your fan base uh, some reassurance that things are going to be okay. And for us, it's important that we, we do that and we get back into our markets and feel like we belong as well, right? You, won't, you don't want to just have these made-for-TV bubble concepts and you just you're kind of out of, you become a made for TV product, which isn't bad, but the real opportunity for us is, is that integration in our, you know, our fan base and our local community. So that's incredibly important. We are doing everything in our power to return. We publicly said we will 100% return to our markets. It's all pending public health, but you know, it, it's, uh, and we all understand that it may or may not be with fans in the stands, but those are the commitments we're going to make because we think it's really important. Having a bubble in, in your first years is, is absolutely crazy to think about. I'm really curious as to what your, your schedule was like in March, April, and May of last year. It must have been I'm like 8 in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. But I'm still thinking um, how great it is that uh, hopefully in, from May to, to August, you're able to stay in your markets and keep that sense of normalcy going in a, in a brand new league that's had to survive one of the craziest moments yep. in history of the last 100 years. So it's really, it's, it, it, it's incredible to think that you guys were able to do that. My, my last question is, is, is more so one that I'm sure you get asked all the time in terms of as a newfound league that's done so much in, in its first few years of existence, what, what, are the, what does the next year look like for you? Maybe the next five years? What's next for really growing the CEBL? I'll state the obvious is obviously managing kind of the pandemic and where we go for, for this year, <clears throat> but we feel quite comfortable about it. But really my look, I'm always, I, I made a comment the other day, 50% of my time is making sure that we're surviving and 50% of my time is leaning towards the future, right? So it's just a balance of get, get through this year and where we're different and where, you know, you, you talked about us experiencing this stuff so early in, in our kind of, uh, starting in 2019, coming into our second season, because of the way we're structured corporately and we're a single entity, we can make these, you know, easily make decisions at 
one particular time and move forward, right? And we can mobilize people quite quickly. We don't need permission from a bunch of different team owners to do that. And that may change in the future as we grow, because this league was designed to be pieced off and to attract new outside owners through expansion and new owners through, you know, buying some of our existing clubs. So that's what I work on a lot of the time. And I, I work on, you know, where we're going next. So because we look at this from a global lens and because we play a four month season per se, we need to fill those other eight months of the year. So we're looking at uh, other opportunities, whether it's, you know, another pro three on three uh, league or a next generation league similar to the NBL Australia or licensing other basketball related entities in Canada and giving them a platform uh, through the CBL and, and the new platforms and, and stuff that we're going to be announcing lately, uh, later, sorry, to, to really raise the, the boats for everybody. So we want to be the de facto one-stop shop for everything basketball in this country. And we want the CBL to be that brand and then build on, you know, where we're going. So we've always said from the beginning, we wanted to get to 12 teams. That was the thought in 2017 now that we're in it, it, it seems more likely we can get to 14 or 16 teams uh, if we choose to go that way. It's just about doing it in a smart way. Uh, so we do have interest. We will be expanding in 2022. We'll get to our eighth team. Excuse me. We'll probably add more than just one uh, getting into 2022. But, and I think playing this season will be the catalyst for even more opportunities. And I see us getting to that uh, by 2025 to 14 teams and, and continuing to grow and really kind of exuding our dominance here, but also catching the attention of uh, international leagues, et cetera. And we're doing that. I mean, we have, I think last year alone, we had 16 in, uh, G League players. We had four ex-NBA guys. We just signed a, a, a you know second round draft pick in the NBA, Diamond Stone, two days ago. And these are just many of the the things that come along with doing things right. So I think you kind of see it, you know, in terms of how players react, how coaches react. They are your biggest asset. If they believe that this is a league that can help them and is, that treats them well, and we're seeing that, that really, that news spreads fast. And I think we will be in a situation in the not too distant future that this league becomes even bigger than we may have even expected. I, I love the outlook, especially because m most people would just think, okay, you're a new team, you're in your new expansion league. All you're thinking about is more teams, more fans, more, more everything. But really the, the idea of filling those other eight months of the year with a three on three tournament opportunities overseas, that that's really what, what impresses me. And I, I can't wait to see what's next for the CBL. And, and thank you so much for coming on. This was a absolutely fantastic episode. Well, my pleasure. Listen, uh, I appreciate uh, the interest, especially, you know, uh, south of the border from you guys and, and love for you to tune in and stay tuned to all of our uh, social media stuff. And, and you'll love the basketball. It's tremendous basketball. Uh, and I do appreciate the time. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to Gen Z Hoops. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe on Instagram, LinkedIn, and all major social media platforms at Gen Z Hoops. You can tune in and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other podcast platform on the planet. Get ready for the next episode.